Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. Today's message is titled, Why Friendships Matter, and it is part of the Awesome Friendships Sermon Series. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, you can check us out at our website at bccma.org, or you can send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. How many of you are ready for the Word of God today? Amen. Well, um, before I get into the message, I, I just want to uh, remind you uh, something we're calling NEXT, which is our next uh, building project, and, and, all, um, and the reason I bring it up today is uh, I, last Sunday, I don't know if it was more than one person, but I know one person uh, who came to our service and could not come in because they, there were no place for them to park. So uh, that's just not acceptable. That's just not acceptable. Someone's driving off, not coming to church, because they have no place to park. So here's what I ask you to do. First of all, I want you to begin to pray with me, and I want you to begin to believe with me. Uh, one of the first things that we need, you know, that, uh, you know yes, yes there's, there's always money involved. There's, we always need people to be generous. But I believe what's foundational to everything else is that you care. The, the, what, what I really would like to feel from a congregation and people first is that they really care, that they really believe and they really care, and they, they really care about the kingdom of God, and they, they really want the kingdom of God to grow. And that's what, that's what I, that's a first concern to me before we even think about money. I, there's a few times in, in the history of, of my history in the church that now I've seen people who would give give money, but they, they, they had motives that weren't the best, <laughs> you know? So before, before we talk about money, let's get our motives. Uh, uh, let's get on the same page. Let's all in this room have the same motivation. Remember the upper room, the Bible says they were in one mind. They were in one mind, and the King James says in one accord. That's not a Honda. That, that's a, that's, a, <laughs> that's a, uh, an agreement, a spirit of agreement. So, yes, we, we, we're going to have to talk about money. We're going to have to, to, we're going to have, and some of you, I believe that there are people that attend this church that you are able, you're able to do uh, exceedingly abundantly above all I could ask or think. Uh, you're able, and uh, everybody's able to give, and everybody's able to be generous. And, but, but first of all, I want to just ask you to begin to pray about it, begin to care about it, and begin to make it something that... Uh, and, and you have to make a decision, uh, unless, uh, unless you're, you know, if you're the pastor, you probably don't, because you, everything line, is lined up for you already. But if you're, if you're coming here, and you're just a, a member of the church, not just a member, I don't mean it to, to denigrate it, but it's, it's a, it's a, you, you've got to believe it's what God wants you to do, that God wants you to care. So I'm going to just ask you to begin to care, and, and we'll come back and talk about this more and uh, I, I want you to, and, and what happens when you begin to care, see, is uh, when we ask you, like, what our, our strategy is going to be, we're actually going to go to two services, and uh, that's going to free up the parking lot. So we're going to have to do some rearranging of the, this auditorium. And so when you care and you're motivated, then you have a good attitude about 
changes. How, how many of you like it when everything changes? No, you don't, do you? But when you care and you've let God soften your heart and you, you believe and you care about the kingdom of God, then when the changes come, you're, yes, this is, this is going to be okay. And then, of course, after a while, those changes become the norm and you don't want that to change. So, thank you. Let's uh, get excited about getting into a new series today on friendship. And it's called, uh, excuse me, this series is called Awesome Friendship. And today's sermon is Friendship Matters. Friendship Matters. Um, ever been unfriended by someone on Facebook? Yeah. I, I've learned that the unforgivable Facebook sin is to send someone a private message offering them correction on something they posted. I learned that people can't handle that. And I, I thought, you know, and I, I, when you know, being the pastor of the church, and I thought my members, and the people who, who care about what I think, they will be really touched if I send them a private message and say, listen, what you posted is really inappropriate. The language, the, the, that picture you posted... You know, that, you know, that person you put on there didn't have very many clothes on. <laughs> as a Christian, as a man of God, representing our church. And I thought, they would, oh, pastor, yeah, thank you so much. I, I just wasn't thinking, no, they, you know, people don't react that way. The next thing, I'm unfriended. And they don't come back to the church ever. So I pretty much leave people alone now. Uh, <laughs> Not that I'm traumatized with being unfriended. I just, what's the point if they're not going to receive it? And I think it's just really embarrassing if, 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 if hundreds of people have already seen something that they posted. I think it's just really embarrassing for them to have to think about that maybe it bothered a lot of people, I guess. I don't know what the deal is. But uh, so we all know it. And we're in, we're, we're, in a real, we're in a real weird place where relationships are concerned now. Uh, a real um, a vulnerable place where relationships are concerned. You, you can just get rejected over anything now, it seems like. Uh, Doug Bursch, someone I follow on Twitter, tweeted this out a while back, and I thought, that's, that's how I sometimes feel too, and maybe it's how you feel. He said, my, basic, my anxiety is basically the feeling that I'm always one statement away from being rejected by every person I've tried hard to love and be loved by. It, it feels that delicate right now in the world that we live in. It feels that delicate that if you express an opinion or you take a position, you get identified in a, maybe with a political party or, or a position that, that they, people don't like, uh, you are consigned to hellfire, just like that, and you're not their friend anymore. Burger King, you know, ran an ad campaign <clears throat> where they said, <clears throat> if you will unfriend... 10 of your friends on Facebook, if you would unfriend t 10 of your friends on Facebook, that, that Burger King would send those friends an announcement that, that, that you had unfriended them for a Whopper, and you would get a free Whopper <laughs> for unfriending 10 friends. So the, the idea was, the strategy of Burger King was, it was the idea that their Whopper is so good that it's worth 10 of your friends. And it went so well that uh, people unfriended 233,906 
friendships were terminated uh, on Facebook. And they had to suspend the campaign because they were on the hook for nearly uh, 200, you know, 240,000 whoppers. Well, Mark Zuckerberg has denigrated the term friendship because we know all those people on Facebook aren't really our friends. If you think they are, just message them that you're moving next Saturday and you need them to come and help. <laughs> so they've denigrated the word friend, and just like Twitter has denigrated the word followers. You know, I think I have, I think I have four or five hundred followers on Twitter, but I don't have four hundred and five followers, believe me. Follower is someone who would follow you wherever you go, right? I remember what friendship was like in elementary school. And I don't know if it was like that for you or your school, but we were very open about friendship. We would just, we'd just go up to another kid and say, would you be my friend? We would just ask him, did you do that? Would you be my friend? I'll never forget. It's just vivid memory uh, Ralph Sanchez became my best friend in the second grade. And I remember going down the steps. I just, this vivid memory of me and Ralph going down the steps at Fannie Finch Elementary School in McKinney, Texas, and me putting my arm around Ralph and saying, let's be best friends. And he put his arm around me, and we became best friends. And uh, I think, I think we... We stop doing that once we get out of school. We stop cultivating friendships. Once, once, once we get out of school, you know, you know, you know that uh, you watch our students here, and you know friendship is really important to them. And they don't, their friends become the center of their life. They don't do anything without their friends. But that, that changes, and, and there's a bunch of reasons for that. We'll get into some of those reasons as we get farther into the series. But... There's a bunch of reasons that you don't cultivate friendships the same way when you're 40 years old as you do when you're 15. You don't cultivate friendships. The friendships don't, are not as important to you. There are other things. Life, life gets really busy and, and family and work and responsibilities and all kinds of things happen. And, and, and also you've been hurt a lot. You've been rejected and, and you've had friends that didn't work out. And so you can abandon friendship. Um, but God wants us to rethink this. God wants us to rethink this. I, I know that. It's the more I studied for this message, and the more I studied for this series, I realized God really wants us to rethink the matter of friendship. I, I thought back to a time, and I've alluded to a few times in, in preaching, uh, I've alluded a few times to a, peer, a, a pretty difficult period here at Bethany, for me, anyway, and for my family. And it, it was just a transition period. A lot of things happened. I don't want to go into it, but people got, were getting their feelings hurt about some stuff, and a lot of it had to do with parents and their children, and they didn't... Parents, of course, naturally, we're all, real, we're all sensitive about our children, and so uh, it was a lot of things like that. And uh, uh, I, I lost some friends through all of that, and some key people, people that had been alongside and done ministry with us and all of that were, were, were began to leave the church. And this is about, I don't know, I think it was about 15 or 16 years ago at least. And uh, I really hit the wall and got very discouraged and really down. 
And uh, um, I, that was the first time a pastor in this church, because I would literally say to myself sometimes, I, I can't believe I get to do this job. I, was, I, I loved being the pastor here so much. And that was the first time that I couldn't say that. I didn't feel that way. And I just lost my, lost my motivation. And I remember sitting in my office one day, and being a preacher, we try to, you know what alliteration means? It has nothing to, be, nothing to do with being literate or illiterate. But alliteration means you, if you preach a sermon, you, you start every point with the same letter. Power, purpose, plan. You know, that's alliteration. And so I'm even, I'm even uh, illiterate in my prayer sometimes. And I told the Lord this. I said, Lord, I cannot give you the product that you want from me right now, but I will do the process. That's a good sermon, right? Product versus process. I said, God, I will do the process if you will show me what to do to get through this. And I mean, within, within a, I think it may have been the next day or maybe may have been the same day, I get the phone call from a person that many of you know named Dick Germain. And Dick Germain called me, and uh, I had been in one of his groups. He started a ministry for pastors that supports pastors and puts together pastors' small groups. And I had been in one before. didn't work out real well before. Kind of, it kind of fell flat, and uh, um, Dick knew that. And so Dick calls me on the phone, and he said, I want, to, I want to take you out to lunch. So we went to lunch the next day, and we go down to Chili's, and he said, listen, I want to start a, I want to start a group for you and for pastors. Uh, there are several pastors whose churches are, I mean, not huge, but larger, like over 300 people. And, uh, and he said, I want to start a, church, a group for pastors in that that size, those size churches, because you have different challenges and you have different things, problems that you have when you, when you pass the 300 number. And uh, so I, uh, I, I just told God, I will do the process. And I knew this was the process. The process was friendship. The process was people. And so now, all these years later, uh, myself, Dick Germain, <laughs> And Dennis Burrell, which many of you used to be Murray's pastor and Johnson's pastor, and maybe there's others here who used to go to Community Covenant. Dennis Burrell, um, Herson Gonzalez, Steve Gonzalez's brother, uh, he, he didn't come in at that time. But the four of us, for, for over 10 years, the four of us have been meeting every other week and sharing our lives with one another. And getting in each other's face, rebuking each other, correcting each other, arguing, all the things you do when you're friends. And, um, I mean, Dennis called me yesterday with uh, something, and he was reading a book, and he's got this insight from the Word of God and this insight about doctrine. And everybody, everybody knows Dennis. He he's rethinks everything every two weeks. So everything gets rethought. He's got to rethink it. Phil, we got to rethink. We got to rethink the doctrine of whatever, you know? <laughs> and so yesterday we had a quite a lengthy conversation, a good conversation, stimulating conversation. Uh, if uh, would you bring me those game balls there, Jay, in the basket? If life were a football game, if life were a football game, I would Give Dick Germain a game ball. 
for what the role he played in my life. And uh, I, I can't go into the details of things that we talked about and things that, I, and I, I got, I'll tell you one thing, my, my, in, my intense anger got identified within a few weeks, that they had identified my, an anger that I had that, I, that was, that was going to get me in a lot of trouble. And uh, I thank God for friends like that. But if, if, I, if, I were to, um, if I were to give a game ball to somebody today at the end of that game, I imagine, I don't know, they do this in the Super Bowl, but I imagine they go to the locker room and uh, somebody gets the game ball. I know there's an MVP of the game, but somebody gets the game. Normal weeks, uh, you'll see, if you see sometimes those behind the scenes in the locker room, the coach will say, hey, uh, uh, James White, you get the game ball today, and they throw him the ball. I wonder, if, I wonder if some of you have somebody in your life that, you, you, that this week you'd like to give them the game ball because they were a friend to you. You know? How about if I, how about if I just give a couple of you a couple of these? We got a few footballs here. And I'll give a couple out. And you, you go tell your, your friend. You know, they may be here in the service. They may not be. You go tell them, you know, the pastor's preaching the sermon series on friendship. And he said if life were a game, he had a friend he would give the game ball. And I want you to know lately you've been that kind of friend to me. Here. And you can sign it and you give it to them. Would you do that, some of you? I, I'm gonna Stephen Extract. I bet you would. I bet you have somebody. Stephen Extract's just been this horrible surgery, and it's just been unbelievable. And he, they live in Tucson, but he's back here with another procedure. In fact, we're praying for him. That this procedure is going to work. But I want. I'm going to give you one of these, and maybe there's a friend in your life that you this week you go. Listen, I want to give you the game ball for being my friend. All right. <clears throat> And uh, I mean, maybe there's somebody else. Uh, uh, Ann Gurgis, are you out there? Ann, I'm about you. You've had a tough week. You need two, so you can you catch that? All right, all right. <laughs> so I want you to think of that metaphor this week of the game ball, and think of the people in your life. People need to be appreciated. They need somebody to tell them. You have been important in my life. Friendship, C.S. Lewis said, is unnecessary like philosophy, like art. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things that gives value to survival. Boy, that's profound, isn't it? A recent survey asked the question, over the past six months, how many people have you discussed deeply important matter with? Most people couldn't come up with anybody outside their family that they discussed any important matter with in the last six months. Between uh, uh, Robert Putnam is a Harvard professor, and he's been documenting friendships and relationships for several decades. And he said between 1985 and 1994, active involvement in community organizations fell by 45%. How many people can you share something with good or bad that happens to you. According to um, Harvey, or, or according to Robert Putnam, Harvard professor, he said in the past, most people had three people that they could call if something really good or something really bad happened to them. But he said by 2004, most people said zero. We're going the wrong way in terms of relationships. In today's message, I want to tell you, number one, 
Awesome friendships matter. Awesome friendship matters because you need it. Awesome friendships matter because you're made for it. And number three, because friendship makes you. Awesome friendships matter because you need it. It's great to sing what a friend we have in Jesus, but God has planned that you would also find your human friends necessary. You need friendship. You need friendship for moral and spiritual health. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. I find a lot of times, you know, we can, we can, we come, we accept Jesus Christ and we go to church and we can become what we, what we think of as a good church member because we do. We, we're, the pastor can look at every Sunday and you're always in your seat. You give in the offering, you, you pay tithe and you, you even serve, you even get involved and you serve in the nursery. And, or, or you serve in children's church, or you serve as an usher, or you serve as a greeter, or a parking lot attendant. You know, that is just really awesome that you do all of these things, and that we can track your involvement. But you gotta, if we're going to please God, we've got to add one more thing to our portfolio of involvement, and that is friendship. How many people am I a friend to? And I didn't say be friendly. You can be a you can have a friendly church that's not a friend church. We've, we've gotten down the art of friendliness, and that's good. That's a good start. I like to go to places that are friendly. I like to go to restaurants where the staff is friendly. I like to go to churches where the people are friendly. Friendly is really good, but it's not friendship. I need something, something deeper than friendliness. I need somebody who will be there for me. I need somebody who will let me in and not let me down. I need somebody I can count on. I need, I need emotional support. There, you know there are 58 commands in which the Bible says things like, 58, 58 commands in which the Bible says things like love one another, care for one another, help one another, serve one another, greet one another, encourage one another. If Some of you are going to read the Bible again after this sermon and after this series and you're going to see how relational, relationally intense the scripture is. How relationally intense people like Apostle Paul were. How relationally intense people like Jesus Christ was. I remember, speaking of crisis, I remember also during that time when Dick Germain came into my life, also, was, it was around that time that I, uh, I started playing golf. And I didn't start playing golf till I was uh, like, till about the time Elise was born, so about when I was about 46 years of age. <coughs> I started playing, and, and guys like uh, Craig Wirt is here, and Mike Seaver, and uh, Steve Gonzalez. I don't even know if they realized how important that was to me, because that was during that period of time when I was going through a dark time, but how great it was to go out on the golf course and forget about some of the issues because I have so many problems on the golf course that I don't have enough energy to think of all the problems I have at home and the church and the golf course. And wow, we had great times. At times we had times of prayer on the course together and encouragement, and it meant a lot to me. 
And even your physical health. Uh, James says, admit your faults to one another, James 5.16, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I mean, that, that's about friendship. That's about relationship. You know, the Eastern religions have a saying, everything affects everything. Your emotional health impacts your physical health. And if you bottle up all your flaws and all your feelings, it's just a matter of time till you're going to get sick. A line in the song, what a friend we have in Jesus, says, all our sins and griefs to bear. So That's a good line, but the Bible teaches that healing begins with revealing our sins and griefs to a friend, not just to Jesus. You know, feeling lonely, doctors tell us causes, and researchers, medical researchers tell us, it causes cortisol levels to soar. And cortisol levels are helpful when you need them. Cortisol levels uh, uh, kind of shut down your digestive tract and, and other parts of your body. They, they're, they're, when, they're when you get attacked, when, when, when a wild animal attacks you, or when, you're, when, you, uh, when you narrowly miss a car accident, having a car accident. You're, it's, it's the fight or flight uh, uh, response takes over your physical body. And loneliness creates that same, same response in your body. But the problem with loneliness is it lasts. And so you have this high level of cortisol. It increases your adrenaline and your cortisol, and it causes all kinds of problems in your physical body. And look it up. You can see there's a whole laundry list of bad things that happen to you. You need friends for your physical health. Um, in fact, uh, Sheldon Cohen uh, did this, uh, a medical researcher did this uh, uh, experiment where he, he documented a group of people and their relational connections. And so he took all those people that he had documented with their relational connections and he put them all in a room and he exposed them to the cold virus, to the, germ, the cold germs that give you the common cold. And the people that did not have connections and friendships, I forget the exact number, but way off the charts, were more likely to catch the cold than the people who had good friendships and good relationships. We do not even fathom how much God, how much we are missing if we're not cultivating friendships. And of course, there's the idea of just social enjoyment. Luke chapter 15, verse 29 Says, so he answered and said to his father, this is the elder brother in the story of the prodigal son. And by the way, I should have set that up, but the prodigal son is a story for those of you who maybe haven't gotten into the Bible yet. But it's a story about a son who asked for half of his inheritance and he went away and he spent that inheritance on wild living. And uh, he spent it, he was broke, and he's a young Jewish boy, and he ended up keeping, taking care of pigs. That's how desperate he got. And he decided to go back home and ask his father's forgiveness. And he went home uh, to ask his father's forgiveness, and his brother, his older brother, who had uh, many reasons to be bitter, uh, refused to go attend the celebration that the father put on. The father had a, had a barbecue, invited all invited all of the prodigal son's friends over. And that interested me, and that's a whole sermon in that. That prodigal had some real friends. Because those real friends were ready to celebrate when he came back home. 
Because you know how you know that? Because we know it because of what the son said. Look at what the son said, the older brother, who got mad and wouldn't go into the party. And the father goes out to him and says, son, why won't you come into the party? He said, and he answered him and said to his father, lo, these many years I have been serving you. If you're serving someone, you're not their friend. Because if you're a friend, you love people. Lo, these many years have I served you. In other words, I've never had a friendship relationship with you, Dad. That's what he's saying. I never transgressed your commandments at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. What are friends for? They're, they're there to make merry with you. They're there to celebrate with you. To celebrate when the good, good things happen in your life. And this is such an important, in fact, this is part of, and we're going to get into this, uh, we're going to get into some good stuff, by the way, in the weeks to come. But part of what we're going to get into is how to choose friends, how to stay away from toxic people and develop the right people. And if you have real friends, they, they cry when things go bad for you, and they celebrate when things go good for you. And Jordan Peterson has this quote that I love, it's one of his 12 rules, Make friends with people who want the best for you. Say amen to that, somebody. Make friends with people who want the best for you. That's rule number three. It's it's biblical and even more important than whether a friend makes you feel great all the time, but they want good things for you. God makes it clear he wants you to cultivate awesome friendships. So secondly, awesome friendships matters because you are made for it. You are made for them. Genesis 1.26 says, let us make man in our image. Now, hold on to that thought. I'm going to read another verse here, but we're going to go back to Genesis 1.26. John 15.12 says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's lives for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. Now now let's go back to Genesis 1.26. It says, we are made... In the image of God. We are made in the image of God. Now, God, when we say God, it's the word Elohim. And do you know something about the word Elohim? It's a plural word. It's not a singular word. He said, he didn't say, let me make man. He said, let us make man. Now, now, are, are, you, are you tracking with me this morning? Do you understand the importance of that. Do you understand that God, how many of you believe God's eternal? Never had a beginning, never had an, and will never have an end. That means that God has never been alone. God has always had friends. God wouldn't even be God if he were by himself. God is God with two people that share everything, know everything about each other, work till they find agreement on everything. They are the best 
friends that you could ever imagine. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God said, I have made you in my image. That idea deserves applause. Because you must learn to flow as, as, as I, I, I heard uh, uh, somebody was interviewing, I, I put it on Facebook, uh, 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 what's his name, um, uh, that's place running back, uh, rookie, help me out, what? Sonny Michelle. Sonny Michelle was interviewed and talked about his Christian faith this week from the Super Bowl, and he and, 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 and they, him and the interviewee, interviewer got talking about Jack Easterby's statement about being glory reflectors. Being glory reflectors. We are, reflect, we are called to be reflectors of the glory of God. And if you are not being a friend and you're not cultivating friendship, you are not reflecting the glory of God. Let me read to you a statement from J.D. Greer ahead of the Southern Baptist Convention now. He said, From all eternity, the Father and the Son have existed as friends and being made in the image of God. That means we are made for friendship. The doctrine of the Trinity might be hard to understand, but it is the foundation for understanding how you are wired. From all eternity, the one God has existed as Father, Son, and Spirit bound in friendship love. See? Have you noticed the devil is a loner? Anytime you see the devil in Scripture, he never says us and we. He's always by himself. When he went in to see God to talk about Job in the book of Job, Satan's by himself. And God says, what have you been doing? I've been going to to and fro through the earth. The, the, The Bible says that Satan goes about seeking whom he may devour. It doesn't say seeking whom whom we may devour. He has nobody with him. He's a loner. So I hate to tell you, if you're a loner, you're more like the devil than you are God. <laughs> and that would, and that would every, every mass murderer, they say, he kept to himself. Right? He kept to himself. He never, never seemed to hang out with anybody. There's something unholy about Choosing, choosing aloneness. There's something holy about choosing others and unity and friendship and caring about other people. There's something holy about that. Muhammad, Buddha, Confucius, those guys never related to their followers as friends. They left behind sayings and teachings and said, obey my teachings. Jesus didn't do that. He left behind himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. His invitation was, follow me, walk with me, commune with me. I love, I love Mark 3.14. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I've got like 10 favorite verses. In Mark 3.14, it's one of my favorite all-time passages. It just Every time I read it, I get emotional because it says, He ordained the twelve that he might be with them. That he might be with him. He, don't you like it when people just want to be with you? They don't have an agenda. I just want to come over 
to your house and be with you. I want you to come over to my house and let's just be together. That's what a friendship is. Friendship is when we just want to be together. Jesus built his ministry not on, not on like a board structure or some corporate thing. He built his ministry on friendship. He built his ministry on friendship. That should tell us something. Awesome friendship matters also because it makes you. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. I've heard it said many times, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Friendship shapes your moral character, your moral courage, and your motivation to be or not to be all that God intended you to be. Craig Rochelle says it this way, you are usually the average of your five closest friends. If four of your five best friends got stoned last night, chances are you did too. <laughs> Somebody say amen to that. I don't think we have any idea about how much our intimate friends both reflect and, 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 and determine what we become. They, they reflect what we are and determine what we become. Your friendships are act, actually more likely to shape your life than your family. You know that? Uh, it, or even your spouse. You know, uh, 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 in 2007 article in the New England uh, Journal of Medicine found that friendship was the most telling factor of whether one gained weight or not. Here's what, they, here's what this research and this article shared. If, you had a, if, if your spouse gained weight, you had a 40% chance of gaining weight with them. But if your friend gains weight, your chances jump to 60%. Because you're more likely to eat with your friends than your spouse, I guess. Last year, researchers studied 34 students at the University of Virginia, taking them to the base of a hill and asking them with weighted backpacks to climb the hill. Then they were asked to estimate the steepness of the hill. Some participants went by themselves and were told to go alone. Some participants were, were, were told and, and made to st stand next to their friends and climb the hill with their friends. And you can already guess what happened. The people who went with their friends rated the hill less steep than the people who went alone. I'm telling you, God has wired you for friendship. You know, many marriage researchers say the single greatest factor determining the quality of your marriage is the quality of your friendship with your spouse. One study showed that whether wives feel satisfied with romance, sex, and passion depended on the quality of their friendship with their husband. And of course, we know men are wired completely differently, right? We know men are wired completely differently. We know it'll be totally different. They researched and interviewed the men. They found that men, satisfaction in the area of romance, sex, or passion was 70% dependent on whether they felt their wife was their friend. I guess we're not so different after all. We all need 
friendship. As we said, if you were stoned last night, chances are four of your five friends were stoned. (laughs) If you're chasing after God with all your heart, chances are your three or four best friends are chasing God with all of their heart. So, let's celebrate friendship here at Bethany Community Church. Amen? Amen. Can we... Can we become a church where people not only would say that's a friendly church, but they will say that's a friendship church. You go there, people will take you in. You'll, you'll be having dinner at somebody's house within, within two weeks if you go start attending that church. You'll be going watching a ball game. You'll be invited to watch a ball game with somebody. You'll be invited to go to the movies with somebody. You'll be invited to a prayer meeting with somebody. Somebody's going to invite you to their community group. Don't go there if you don't want to be invited. (laughs) You know, the world out there is so lonely, they will flock in this place if they find out that you know how to do friendship. In fact, at this time, we're just to celebrate this, and we're going to, we're going to have, I'm going to have Shane come up, and we're going to pass out some more game balls. Some thank you, Pastor. So I have the privilege of uh, giving this game ball to the friend that is the oldest in my life. Not in age, but in length. I want to give this game ball to Josh Pilling. If you could come on up. I've known Josh since preschool, essentially. So 25 years we've been friends. and he does, he does a lot for the church as far as his works. He's up here every Sunday with worship. Um, he's at Forum. He attends a lot of practices. He does the website and the app and um, does the slides that you guys see every week. Um, but the biggest thing, the biggest change you've made in my life, and this is the, the pivotal moment um, that this just shouted, you are the person that I should honor in this moment. In high school, uh, when we were graduating and we were trying to go all like our separate ways, figuring out if we want to do what God wants us to do or what we want to do, um, I really wanted to do my own thing. I had my own relationship with um, people that weren't good for me. And I looked to Josh's life, and I saw that he was honoring God with the decisions he was making. He decided to go to a master's commission. Um, and a, even though the leaders in the church were encouraging me and saying, you know, you should do this well, I looked to my peer, and I looked to you, and I saw what you were doing, and you were, I think, one of the most pivotal points for me to make that decision. And because I made that decision, my futures, my futures change. I work here. I have an amazing wife and daughter, and I don't know if that would have happened if I didn't look to you and take that encouragement away from you. So you definitely deserve this, and I appreciate you. I know what you guys are thinking. It's so typical for Brandy to walk around with a football. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to say, um, the person I want to give my game ball to is Rachel Hazer. She is my BFF. 
and I just can't wait. The hours we're going to spend throwing this in the backyard, <laughs> you and I are totally going to dominate. Don't know. <laughs> it's not going to work. Um, <laughs> I've been, this is my 10th year. Um, this month is my 10th year on staff at BCC. And uh, thank you. And I remember when the Blessing Barn was at this location and I was an intern and I walked over there to talk to probably Nana about something and I met Rachel. And in that moment, I decided whether she wants to or not, she's going to be my best friend. <laughs> so, <laughs> so here, you can hold this. So um, don't go anywhere yet. So because, because of that, I just started to pursue her and she couldn't get rid of me. And I've never really had a friendship that I wanted to do that. Somebody that I just met instantly and I was like, we're gonna be friends for the rest of our lives. We're gonna go through everything together, the highs and the lows in our life. We are so much alike. It's scary sometimes, but <laughs> like we, nine o'clock at night, we're like, we're done, right? We can go home and go to bed. We don't need to go out and be social anymore because we're tired, because we're old because we serve a lot. She serves a lot in this church too. She came up here from BCC Kids because she, um, I told her to, because she's my friend and she does what I tell her to. <laughs> but you know, the thing about her is that, you know, we I've never had a friendship that I can challenge somebody on something and they're still there with you. And that that person can challenge me and I'm still continuing to be your friend because in the past it's always been like Pastor Phil said, you're not my friend. You say something you don't, you see in my life that I should change, unfriend, I'm done with you. And, and I've never had a friendship like that until I met Rachel where I'm like, okay, you're right. I see that in me and I see that's something I need to work on. And I think she has the same, she could say the same thing about me. And it's just so kind and heartwarming to know that when I fail, when I succeed, there's somebody by my side cheering me on. When I fall down, she's picking me up and keeping me going. And when I am, you know, my family is not there to support me in something like my college graduation. She rides in a car for 15 hours to come and celebrate me. So that is friendship. That is something you have by your side. And I'm so thankful for her in my life. So I'm gonna go long and you're gonna, you're gonna throw that to me. Do you know what that means? Okay, okay. I'll run and then you just go. Okay, all right. Okay, okay. So that was fantastic, right? So. I'm in sales, so I'm very friendly, but it takes me a long time to become a friend, except with this guy. I became a friend pretty quickly, and uh, to my amazement. And Mike often looks to me to be like an expert in biblical stuff, um, and we've had some pretty good conversations, but a couple of months ago, Mike took a huge risk. He did something almost dangerous, and it could have gone wrong in so many ways. And he even drove past the situation, and God spoke to him. And he answered. He turned around, and he took advantage of, or he took a big risk. And God protected him, didn't just protect him, but God moved in, in his life. God moved in 
God continues to move in his life, but I just want to say Mike Matan took a big risk. And I'll let him share the details if you really want to know. But he took a huge risk, and he did it. And Mike, come on up. You, you deserve a game ball. Going to get a ball. Oh, for you. <laughs> for me. <laughs> so Mike has a, a great story with many chapters, and he never ceases to amaze me with his chapters of his life. But when I found out about this situation, I got to tell you, I just hung my head and said, woe is me, because honestly, I would have driven right past. I would have gone home. And that stranger would have been left alone. So Jesus met that stranger that day, but I dare say he was with you. That was what, quite a game ball. Excellent. I have a lot of really good friends and Part of that is because I've stayed here. <laughs> because staying put sometimes is the real key to real friendships. Um, you guys might be surprised to know that I'm a real person who has real feelings and sometimes my feelings get hurt. And I don't just love work. I love people. And I only love work that has an impact on people. If I see a value for people, I love work. And when I hate the work, I still do the work because I love the people. But I'm going to tell you something. When you're a person like me and you wake up in the morning and you really honestly like yourself as much as you did the day before or sometimes more, <laughs> And I was born like that. I didn't do anything to become like that. Don't hate me for that. That's how I was born. <laughs> and seriously, sometimes people who were born confident do not have friends because other people really view them with suspicion. And so I want to tell you that it's a rare thing for me to have people who <clears throat> immediately <clears throat> treat me like a friend. And I want to give this game ball, which I don't even know what a game ball is. I'm assuming it's like if you had this the most or something. <laughs> but I would like to give this game ball to someone who I met she started coming to um, a new believers small group and I invited her because she was new to our church. And the first week that she came, she was so kind and treated me with such actual interest in me. And our relationship has progressed now I work with her every day. She works at the Menin store. I'm going to tell you what 
she does as a friend that has been amazing for me. She notices when I'm overwhelmed and she encourages me. She doesn't act like, oh, you like to work, so you should work more. You're a worker, you need to work more. She says, stop working. But she never says, stop working, you're annoying me because you work. She's basically like, we have to get it done, you can do it, and she's a cheerleader of my heart. And I'm gonna tell you guys, be cheerleaders of the heart of people because you will find that those people will be transformed by that. And they will have courage to do the thing that they have been made to do, that God has called them to do, that they've been equipped to do, and that will revolutionize their world. So I would like Verna to come. And I know that this game ball means nothing to her. So I got her flowers. <laughs> I love her so much. One time, I want to tell you this one story about Verna. One time, I always take my coat off at the Blessing Barn, and sometimes it gets sold. And... <laughs> Verna's always watching out for my stuff and my things because I come in and, I, and she's always... And one time I took off this white coat that I had and I, I never could figure out what I did with it. And a couple weeks later, Verna brought that coat in and she had taken it to the cleaners. When I'm sick, she brings me food. She's a real friend. And I appreciate it so much. And you can give your husband this game ball. You can go home and tell him he's, he's oh, yeah. your MVP. I love you. Thank you. I love you, too. Is there a couple more people out there that you'd like to give, give, a, give a game ball this week? I can't see real well. But good catch. Who else? Oh, I slipped. I'm as good as Brady, man. I'm at 100% completion rate. Yes. Okay. Let's conclude this message. If this message convicts you or bothers you in some way, where is this place to start making the changes? The best place to start this awesome friendship journey it's with the best three friends that ever existed. It's not necessarily to go run and try to be a good friend to somebody today, which you need to do that. But first of all, stop and become a friend of God. Ask God to be your friend. Make friendship with Jesus. You need God's help. First of all, friendship is too consequential for you to start cultivating relationships without divine guidance. If, if God wants to do something in a person's life, he sends a person. If the Satan wants to hurt somebody, he sends a person. That's why you need to get to know God, so God will give you discernment. Daily prayer, scripture, learning to be led by the Spirit, re retraining yourself from the haphazard way that we make friendships in the 21st century. We're way too haphazard about it. We just happen to like the way somebody smiles and, oh, that's a nice person. 
They may be a serial killer. You need to let God teach you how to build relationships. We're in the tender hookup culture. We have no community vetting process. That's why you need to get to know God. Secondly, you need to experience the affirming and unconditional friendship of Christ. You're not ready to give grace to others till you can hear Jesus whisper, I love you unconditionally. In Christ, you will experience grace given to you, loyalty to you, and you will learn to be loyal to Him. And if you learn to be loyal to Him, you will be able to be loyal to people. The Bible is very clear about this, that, that if you love God, you can love people. Finally, you need Christ's forgiveness for either how you've treated others or to extend grace to others for how they've treated you. Some of us aren't making friends because we got burned really bad. But Christ is offering you today a reset in your relationships. And when he does, think of who you need to give a game ball to this week or next week or the week after. We have a whole lot more to say on this for the next three weeks, but let's start today by making a fresh start of an awesome friendship with Jesus. Would you stand and bow while I'm going to pray? And I want to pray for every person in this room who has not established a saving friendship with Jesus, that you will do that right now. You will ask Christ to come into your heart, to forgive you of all of your sins, and become the friend that's the friend that the scripture describes as one who sticks closer than a brother. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person who needs a friend in Jesus, that they will make that decision now, that they will become a friend of Jesus and they will accept his offer of friendship. You said, no greater love hath any man than he that would lay down his life for his friends. Christ is the man who laid down his life for us and models for us how to lay down our lives for one another. We celebrate on this wonderful day, this awesome day. We're going to enjoy many of us watching a game together. We know the game is just a tool. It's a tool for friendship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm a friend of God. Let's sing it. <laughs>